Hello to my fellow humans with true crime obsessions. Welcome back to Crime Obsessed Dog Mom. I'm Michelle, the Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, with my co-host, coming down the stairs right now, the baby dog known as Rory. Today we're going to look at, this is a trigger warning, it's a really horrible case of neglect and essentially murder of Lacey Ellen Fletcher. Welcome back, everyone. I apologize. I've been a little MIA. Uh, like I said, it's that was that weird time between the holidays or between Christmas and the New Year, and I just felt like every day melted into the other, and I really just kind of needed a break. Um, and as many of you know that have been with the podcast for the last um, since we started back in May, this coming Wednesday is actually what would have been our due date. And I've been struggling with that a little bit. Um, it's hard to think of what could have been um, at this point, right? I mean, realistically, if you go back and listen to many of my older episodes, you would have heard me saying, yeah, I was doing a over Christmas break, which is unrealistic. I now know that about myself. I was unrealistic for me to think that I would have been able to do all that stuff. I'm sure I would have been nesting and, and everything. So it's hard and I, you know, struggling a little bit mentally and talking to my therapist and all that stuff. So no worries there. But it's just, it's been a little bit hard and been kind of struggling with that. Uh, lots of extra Rory snuggles the last couple of weeks. And I ended up taking Wednesday off of work. And it's just better for my mental health. It's just not realistic for me to think that I'd be okay at that point. So it's a lot of a lot of stuff happening, um, and you know we're hoping for a better 2023. A happy New Year! I didn't say that yet, but we're you know it was very much at midnight on uh, on the 31st into the into the January 1st. It was really truly some big big fat middle fingers to 2022, and we you know just had a horrible year. There was so many. Um, just really bad things that happened and you know we had something that we thought was going to be so special and so awesome and then it really it turned into the worst possible thing that's ever really happened to either of us so we are continuing to heal from that and pushing through that so I do apologize like I said I've been a little MIA but I've been struggling mentally and when you're struggling mentally it's very difficult to get into true crime. Like I haven't actually even been listening to it as much as I normally do, um, which is weird because I love listening to it, but it's it's just been really hard. So we are getting through it. And today, I picked a horrible case to do today, but it's very, very graphic. Uh, it's very much a neglect situation and is horrible. There's Rory. Um, drinking loudly water behind me. You thirsty? You very thirsty baby? You are? Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, so prepare yourself, like I, I mentioned in the beginning, uh, trigger warning to say the very least. Uh, this is going to depict a lot of really horrible neglect, uh, very horrible living situations, and 
if any of that kind of stuff triggers you, we're going to talk about uh, feces, uh, urine, maggots, everything like that. If any of that's a trigger to you, you might want to skip and uh, wait for the next episode. Lacey Ellen Fletcher was born on November 25th, 1985. Her parents are Clay and Sheila Fletcher. Sheila was a secretary at a prosecutor's office, which will become ironic later on. And she was also the town's alderman. Uh, alderman? I, I looked it up. Essentially, it's like an elected official for Zachary, Louisiana, where this all takes place. Clay, her father, was the president of the Baton Rouge Civil War Roundtable. They were very active in their community, going to church. A lot of people knew who they were. But where was their daughter, Lacey? Neighbors? They were wondering the same thing. Robert Blades, who is a neighbor of the Fletchers, asked often of Clay, you know, how's, how is Lacey? How she's doing? You know, has she moved on, went to college or whatever? But her father always said, oh, no, she's still there. She's fine. And then he would always quickly change the subject. And that's it. He didn't explain, you know, why the neighbors really weren't seeing them. And the neighbor, Robert, um, took him at his word. They had no suspicions about what actually happened at that house. They right, you know, over the road, they were right there. There was no kinds of alerts or alarms. Lacey had been a student at the former Brownsville Baptist Academy, where she was featured on the school's volleyball team. She could be seen beaming with her friends in the back row of a 1997 to 1998 team photo. And in a school yearbook photo in the ninth grade that was obtained by Daily Mail, who's one of the sources for this, she was smiling she looked very happy and she had long blonde hair. She appeared to be a happy girl. She liked, you know, fun things. And no nobody ever really noticed anything odd or off about her until she became a teenager. Things seemed to change with her once she became about 14 years old. She went from kind of hanging out with a lot of kids to hardly ever having friends that went over to see her at all. Robert Blade's son, also known as Robert, the who's the neighbor, uh, described her as, you know, she became different. She just didn't see things the way that a lot of other kids did. But he also said that she was really smart, like smart as hell. But the best way is to put it, she wasn't as mature as us. And she liked child things, not maybe necessarily teenage things. You know, she was more into... Disney movies around 17 or 18 years old and country music, but not necessarily what he was into, which was like motorcycles and, and everything, you know, teenagey like that. But also I think that it's fine to be into Disney at that age. Just saying. It is believed that Lacey's autism really accelerated when she was around 13 and she ended up starting to be homeschooled after ninth grade. So what happened to Lacey? Where had she had gone? On the morning of January 3rd, 2022, so about a year ago, her mother called 911 after she discovered that Lacey had stopped breathing. When the law enforcement officers arrived, they were not prepared for what they were about to walk into. They found Lacey, weighing only 96 pounds at the time, essentially melted 
into the couch in their living room, in their living room. Now let's talk about some of how she was found. Her feet were crossed under her body and immense deep into a hole on the couch, which I read was about 18 inches wide. The foam padding on the couch was filled with feces, urine, and any other kinds of bodily fluids. Officials also found severe ulcers on her underside, which were rotten to the bone. She also had fecal matter shoved into her face, chest, and abdomen. Her hygiene had been allowed to deteriorate so much that her hair was matted, knotted, and had maggots in it. And after some further testing with everything else, she was also tested positive for COVID-19 when she was discovered. Just a couple of weeks after her body was discovered by her parents and by the authorities, her parents said to the, the authorities that her daughter had into, was intellectually sound until the end, but she was suffering from locked-in syndrome. What is locked-in syndrome? It is a rare and serious form of a neurological disorder that happens when a part of the brainstem is damaged. According to the Cleveland Clinic, the condition is characterized by paralysis of voluntary muscles, except those that control vertical eye up and down movements. Though they can often suffer from total paralysis, patients with locked-in syndrome have consciousness and their normal cognitive abilities intact. The majority of individuals suffering from this syndrome can communicate with eye movements and they can lead meaningful lives. However, they ha end up having difficulties with facial expressions. They have difficulties with speaking, moving, swallowing and breathing, but they can use assistive, assistive technologies to communicate with others, which you've probably seen before. People with locked-in syndrome are bedridden and they are very dependent on their caregivers, meaning Lacey was dependent on her mother and father. But generally, like we had said, though they had physical paralysis, their mind is still working. But recall, she also had autism at the time. So they are fully alert. They're aware of their environment. They can hear, see, and they do have sleep and awake cycles. They may enter a comatose state before regaining consciousness, but they are paralyzed and they're not able to speak. Despite saying that she had locked-in syndrome, her parents insisted during an interview with law enforcement that she was the one to chose to never leave the couch and to relieve herself there or on a nearby towel. Sheila, her mother, claims that she routinely cleaned her daughter's sores and that she, Lacey, had never actually complained about them. Remember, some of those sores were rotted down to the bone. Close-ups of the flesh on her buttocks appeared to be literally worn or eaten away for 12 years because she hadn't moved from that couch. There were large, raw, yellow areas where the skin had essentially disappeared. Other areas on her back and buttocks were so blackened that it was impossible for a person to identify any shape or form of a person. That's how bad it was, how bad this had just been eaten away and her flesh had been eaten away. The coroner on Lacey's case, known as Dr. Bickham, revealed that she had died from severe medical neglect, which led to chronic malnutrition, 
acute starvation, immobility, acute ulcer formation, osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection that ultimately led to sepsis. The coroner, Dr. Bickham, said that he had never seen a case so severe in 30 years as a doctor. He said that he couldn't eat for a week and he literally cried the whole week. A grand jury was performed to indict Clay and Sheila on second degree murder charges, not manslaughter, as some people had reported. The pictures and evidence shown during the grand jury were so graphic that they had to have medical personnel present in the courtroom just in case anybody passed out from how severe these images were. Jurors apparently gasped in in horror at the images as they were presented. They had their faces just showed utter disbelief. But these images did convince the 12 jurors to proceed with charges against the parents of a life sentence without parole. Both parents were arrested and had a $300 bond each. Unfortunately, they did end up come up with end up coming up with the money. They got out after posting bond. Her parents' defense said that she was of sound mind. She had made her own decision. She didn't want to get off the couch like I had said before. She wanted to, you know, leave herself on the couch or on that towel near the near the near that was near the couch. You know, and they said something in the in the paper was like they don't want to have to continue to relive this her death through the media and anybody that's lost a child knows what that feels like. But they didn't just lose a child. They watched their child deteriorate. This is in the living room. Like I said, this was in the living room of their house. This wasn't like in a small room, you know, back in the basement or whatever, hiding away from everyone. This was in their living room. They saw her. They lived in this area. There's no way that they, if they loved their daughter, they cared about their daughter, that they would have let this happen to her. This was neglect and this was essentially murder. The last information I could find about a trial, once again, this happened about a year ago and the justice system can take a little bit longer, was that a trial um, was delayed. That was on uh, December 21st. 2022. When I do find out more about this case, when a trial is held, when charges are officially given to them, like, I mean, they've already been given, but you know what I mean? They are sent to jail, which I assume is going to happen. I will be distraught if they're not sent to jail. I will post an update when all of that comes through. I wish I had more information, but I don't. Um, I appreciate you all tuning in today. If you follow me on TikTok, you will know that we did reach a thousand downloads um, just about a week ago, which was insane. I don't know if I caught the eye of a couple of new people and they have been like rapidly listening to all of the episodes, but I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone who has been here since day one that has been listening to all my episodes um, any of our new people, I apologize because you probably went, <laughs> went through some of my rougher episodes at the beginning and also some of my sadder episodes that happened this summer when we talked about my personal, personal stuff that I had going on after the miscarriage. So I appreciate you all being here. 
uh, always open to feedback, any case and story suggestions. I'm going to continue to try to do weekly episodes, but like I said, things have been a little weird. Winter depression is a thing. Winter blues. I'm very tired. Things are happening. And yes, we'll, we'll get through this, but I appreciate y'all being there. I wish I had a writer that someone could just write all the episodes. That's my biggest thing is I love recording them, but it's really difficult for me to kind of just find the time to sit down and really dedicate the time to get the research done just because of the winter, the winter blues. If you're out there, you know, you know what it's all about. All the source materials are in the show notes for this episode. Please subscribe. Um, Please give me ratings on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to. Uh, We will continue to work on weekly episodes, like I said. Uh, Check me out on Instagram, Crime Obsessed Dog Mom, uh, Twitter at uh, CO Dog Mom Podcast, TikTok at CO Dog Mom Podcast. I just posted a really funny TikTok as I was recording this because Rory was in the background like being funny. Um, so, so, uh, it was funny. He, he never, he never does that stuff until I'm like recording. And then all of a sudden he's going crazy. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, but regardless, if you want to find me on any of the social medias, you should be able to search, uh, crime obsessed dog mom and find me pretty easily. Thank you all again. I do appreciate your support. Can't, I can't, uh, I can't believe that we got to a thousand downloads and, you know, goal is, Let's go for 1100, you know, we'll go a hundred at a time and we're, we're, you know, pass, surpassing a lot of things that I, goals that I ever, you know, set for myself. So I appreciate it. Uh, stay true crime obsessed, love on your animals and be kind. And I will holla at y'all next week. Bye.